We would love to hear from you, our fab listeners, about what's working on the podcast. What do you want more of and are you inspired? Please go to a storyinside.com backslash survey and help a girl out. Let us know. Yes, being able to get on a surfboard is awesome, but being able to hang out with the surfers at the local coffee shop or grabbing a beer after is also super rewarding. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm your host, Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I am interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. Mike Savas has always been on the go. He spent 10 years on the road managing tours for mega bands like Bon Jovi, Katy Perry, Guns N' Roses, Janet Jackson, Rolling Stones, just to name a few. But he's really traveled many countries even prior as a university student. Typically, as people get older, they're like, ah, maybe it's time to settle down a little bit, but not Mike. He's going in the complete different direction. He's taking on 12 countries in 12 months with 12 new skills. And the reason why is he believes we all have the power to curate our lives and ride the waves of opportunity that are presented. And we're going to explore what that means. It's so great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm super excited. And this is just a brief layover before I head to Kenya. So I'm glad we could squeeze this in. Well, that's great, because that was my first question. I was going to say, where are you right now? But we've already established you are in your childhood home on the way to Kenya. Yep. Okay, so... I had to stop by and see the parents real quickly. And I literally got bounced from the airport yesterday because my visa wasn't intact. And I uh, rebooked it for today. So I have three hours before I'm on my 20-hour uh, flight to Mombasa. So tell me, because we're going to get into later all the different things you've done in all the different countries. What skill are you going to learn in Kenya? I have special permission to become a conservation ranger for the next month. So they're consolidating six months of training down into one month for me, and I'll be protecting the animals uh, out in the in the you know Serengeti. Wow, that is very very exciting. You're probably going to see a little cross intersection of tourism. Mm-hmm. When yeah, you're out there. Exactly. I mean, part of the thing is we'll, we'll be quite remote and, and Kenya just got raised, I think, to a class five travel advisory. So I don't think there'll be many um, foreigners there doing tourist activities, uh, but certainly dealing with the, the locals and any issues that could relate to poaching. Mm, that's very exciting. Now, when you toured with bands back in the day, I imagine your schedule wasn't really your own and it was difficult. What was the hardest part of being on the road back then and what was gratifying about it? So the first time I got called to go out on tour, everything was exciting. The first time you go to Germany, the first time you go to France, it's all unicorns and rainbows. And you, you, your imagination uh, really ramps up to an 11, if you will. So the first time through all of these markets was certainly exhilarating. The second time through, while still exciting, um, you kind of knew what to expect. So you felt, felt a little bit more comfortable. By the third time, it was business as usual, and I was ready to see somewhere else and do something different. So even though the international travel was a lifelong dream and, and incredible, eventually it lost its magic that it originally held. And I'm someone that's driven by my verb or adjective is, is enthusiasm. 
um, to feel enthusiastic towards something or exciting. So the idea of touring started to lose its flair a little bit, and I had to alter course and ultimately come up with a solution um, where I had my own autonomy and freedom over my schedule so I could do the things I, I was more passionate about. That's amazing because that kind of got me into talking about this free time you have. You know, there's this stigma that if we live these exciting lives, right? Like I was in the movie business. People are like, oh, that must be so exciting. You're on these film sets all the time. I'm like, first two times, you know what I mean? And you're like similar, right? So there's this stagnancy that can come with that stigma of you should appreciate that you're touring with a major band. And what you're saying is, is now I get to take my own time and I get to go do, you know, salsa dancing in Colombia or free diving in the Bahamas. So tell me why these skills. So this is something I've sort of fantasized about for the last 15 years. And my mind's always going in the future. It's always trying to create a new experience or create a new adventure, whether it be for others or myself. So I'm constantly coming up with new ideas that, again, get me excited. These concepts or these identities have been things that have interested me uh, to varying degrees since I was a kid. It's funny that I'm in my childhood bedroom right now because genuinely I distinctly recall imagining I was a ninja and this closet right here led to <laughs> a back room full of ninja stars and nunchucks. It doesn't actually. It's just my varsity jacket from soccer back there. Um, but, but you know, going back to falling asleep and thinking about how cool would it be to be an archaeologist um, or, or a samurai. And then at some point, you know, I think as we become adults, we lose those ideas for whatever reason. And mm. that's what was exciting about being a kid. It was that imagination. And I said, well, why can't we, why can't I do those things? Why don't people do those things? And while it does seem ridiculous on paper, and I can acknowledge that, it's also really beautiful that if you have the, uh, you know, the, the means or ability to, to go out and try something new that you can. And I think um, it's quite possible for a lot of people to do that, maybe not as far to a degree as I'm taking it, but I, I'm fascinated by the idea of reconnecting with that childhood self. I love that. And, you know, experts like yourself, because this is this is becoming an expertise, right? You always have to be more radical than everybody else, right? Because then you can show people, look, you don't have to go the absolute extreme I went. Let me be your leader. Mm -hmm. But I want to show you that somewhere in the middle, there's a like, there's a life waiting for you, right? There's freedom from stagnancy. Because I would say the first thing that would come to mind that someone would say is, well, Mike, that's so great. You're single. You don't have any kids. Lottie da mm -hmm. for you. I've got a job and a mortgage or whatever. But that's stagnancy right there. Like they're allowing themselves to be in that. So what would you say to someone like that that feels like justified in their stagnancy? Look, I think the first step is is recognizing that. And when you start having those um, thoughts about what someone else is doing, maybe it's a it's a moment for self-reflection. Um, but I also think that if, if you dig deeper into there, you will find some of that stagnancy and maybe some goals or dreams that you might be able to accomplish. And the best way to describe this is I had a friend who reached out to me who is married and he contacted me and said, you know, Mike, I'm, I've been following your journey and I'm calling it month in the making. He's like, forget month in the making. He's like, I'm a man in the making. He's like, I'm also turning 40 and I want to turn my life around. He's like, 
tell me what I need to do, tell me where I need to go. And he's really been taking it on his own and running with it and getting inspiration from different people, not, not just me, to recreate his life. And he's signing up for you know different challenges and races. Um, I think he's going to be doing different sets of trips. So it, it's all personal to what degree you want to take it. Um, and I think it's it's fairly easy to say that you can make changes in your life and you can find things that you're passionate about, whether it's locally or internationally. Um, and learning a new skill is not something that requires mass immersion. You know, 15 minutes a day will get you there. It's, it's more about mm-hmm. consistent changes and, and implementing it day by day. And you can see where you're not consistent. And that's the that's sort of the crack that someone has to look at in the personal development department. Oh, I want to go be, you know, a great sushi chef or, oh, I want to do fencing. And then you go to the one class and then you never do it again. It's, well, yeah. how bad did you really want to do it? I feel like this ties into risk. I think we have a risk has become a tainted word in our society. Um how would you look at risk in terms of thinking? How do how would you see people looking at risk? Do you think what you're doing is risky? Um, no, uh, very few of the skills I'm learning I would define as risky. You know, certainly some of them are physically challenging, and and I, I, I risk injuring my body, but that's nothing I'm fearful of. As I go through this, Kim, I really have been digging deeper into the sociology of it all, and. This is going to be my hypothesis. And please bear with me because this is all, every time I verbalize it, I get a little (laughs) bit closer to the truth. Let's spin it. Let's do it. Well, yes, I'm learning new skills. But more importantly than learning the new skills, I'm putting myself into different sub-communities or tribes, and, and you can define it as cultures. So full immersion in cultures. And it's not that I need to know how to surf or know how to salsa dance. I think most people get caught up in the the obsession of like, oh, I don't want to get on a surfboard because I don't know how to, I'll be embarrassed, I'll fall down and hurt myself. And before you can even get to this skill, what I've realized is there's a whole subcontext there that we sort of overlook. And that's the language of the culture. That is the norms of the culture. And that's feeling comfortable amongst that group. So what I've learned is that the first week or two isn't even so much about me learning the skill. It's about me understanding the people, the words they're using, the dynamics, the environment. And, and again, let me paint a picture. Like the first day I went and learned free diving, I wasn't in the water. I went to a store to buy the gear. Um, I didn't know how a mask should fit. I didn't know there were different types of fins. Uh, sure, I knew there were weight belts, but like, how much weight do you put on a weight belt? And my videographer and the the shop seller, who are both freedivers, were having this conversation, and I just looked like a like a lost deer. So um, we all don't we all want to fit into a group, and we don't want to feel like an outsider. And anytime there's a new skill, you're immediately an outsider. So I think without even knowing it, you know you're going to be super uncomfortable, and mm. you're going to look you're going to look bad. And what I've realized is, yes, you're going to look bad, but it's more so about not feeling emotionally confident in that situation um, and showing up as I'm doing now with complete ignorance and complete bliss and just sort of being endearing to the people like, guys, I know nothing. Like you're going to bring it back to level zero. What does a peak inhale mean? That just means a big <laughs> stomach and shoulders. Um, And now it's not that I'm a master of any of these skills, but I'm confident enough in understanding the cultures that I can go and step into these groups wherever they are in the world and be able to be amongst them comfortably and be the most novice around anyone, but I can still be there. And I think the issue most people have is the concept of just being in those groups is super scary. 
Well, it doesn't even have to be an international group or a tribe. I mean, that's here just in our basic lives. Nobody wants to look imperfect. They want to have it perfectly before they do it. We don't want to be vulnerable. I too have been finding great liberation and saying to someone, I have no idea what you're doing. Can you show me? And like that feeling of like, you really should know what you're doing. You're a grown woman. You should have mm -hmm. this figured out by now. And it's like, nope, don't have it figured out at all. But I, I'm curious. I think yeah. what you're touching upon is curious curiosity, replacing the word risk with let's get curious and who put limits on our curiosity. Yeah. Well, that started really the minute we were born is someone started to put limits on our curiosity. I mean, we keep getting squashed into these boxes. I was scrolling through social media and two hours had gone by. I could have worked on my business, spent time with my kids or written a chapter of my book. Are you complaining you don't have time to write or support or structure? Head over to my new live class, Own Your Authorship, where in eight weeks, you'll not just uncover your dream book, but find your voice. That's a storyinside.com backslash own dash your dash authorship. And now back to our amazing guest. There's a whole industry out there that thrives on like skydiving and zip lining. And there's these like great moments, but I'm getting a sense from you that those are like, you know, they don't really rip off the bandaid. They're just like little moments of excitement and thrill. They don't really put us into our heart. Where do you find your experiences land you in the heart place? For me, it's all about the the people that I'm sharing it with and the culture that they that they have amongst them. I frankly could care less what the skill is. The most enjoyment I'm getting is watching people in these new dynamic circles co-mingle with each other and just being exposed to so many new personalities and new ideas and being constantly and daily challenged with something that I know nothing about. So that's what's super refreshing about it. It's, it's yes, being able to get on a surfboard is awesome, but being able to hang out with the surfers at the local coffee shop or grabbing a beer after is also super um, rewarding. So I, I'm really finding my, my heart space, if you will, in those moments of connection with the people who are doing the skill around me. I just had a uh, downloaded thought that I'm just going to completely go off the cuff and ask you about. Mm -hmm. If we reverse engineered Savas on the Go, right, which is your show, right? If we reverse engineered this and you had people come from the places you've been to New Jersey, uh -huh. what would you do with them? <laughs> Oh man. Well, I would take them to my Cause is, isn't it, isn't it the same? Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I would take them through a, a, a tour of my, my town, right? I take them to the local bagel shop and get them a tailor hand making cheese. I take them to the first pizzeria I worked at, take them to the high school. There's not much going on in this town, but really it's, it would, I would bring them back to my childhood, I suppose. Or what about New York city? Are you close enough to New York oh, city? Yeah. Would you take them to New York city? But then it becomes sort of sightseeing, right? So like, you know what you're you're going there and you're in awe and there's this immersive mm -hmm. culture and we look at it as so amazing but if you think about bringing them over to us in america it's sort of like mm -hmm. what do we do with them you know well you're sort of touching on this idea of a purpose-driven travel versus just sightseeing and what is purpose-driven travel well some people are finding answers to that in you know giving back as they travel my current sort of theory is that it's in learning a new skill or, or trying something 
constantly trying something different. Others just find it and go in some place they haven't been before. But I think um, the most rewarding travel experience is, for me, it's it's when your senses are uh, are, are heightened and and there's a layer of uh, excitement and you don't know what you're going to get. So the expectations are lower. Degrading your expectations so that you're constantly surprised and wowed by everything that comes your way is the most, uh, the, the best life hack I've learned to finding fulfillment and happiness, I think. Right. I'm just trying to imagine someone from Kenya having like a bagel with locks in like New Jersey. <laughs> That'd be great. It could be a sensorial heart centered experience. We don't, we don't know. <laughs> All right. We talk about writing on this show. You are documenting yourself on video wherever you go. The videos are gorgeous. I think that they're very well made and production value is very high. What is the difference, though, with you as a writer? Like, how are you finding yourself able to write down the experiences? Because you want to write a book, right? Yeah, I mean, look, the purpose of me doing this trip is is very much personal, and it's a lifelong dream. In doing something that's that's extraordinary like this, I do see the value in telling the story to others and and uh, using it as a platform to hopefully create some inspiration and positivity in the world and get people to question their own reality. Um, so in thinking through, I'm very much business oriented, just as much as I'm very much experience oriented. Uh, so the experience guy in me goes, just go, don't look back. Don't even tell the story, just enjoy it. But then the business guy or the impact guy in me goes, you would be negligent if you weren't documenting this properly. Hence the videographer. Writing is certainly not my forte. Uh, I've always been very poor at journaling. Uh, I have been doing video journals. And Kim, you've been helping me and guide me through um, audio notes daily, which I have to get better with. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I'm seeing this story unfold before me that that if I had to draw parallels to Eat, Pray, Love, um, I, I could do that certainly almost from a 40-year-old man's perspective. And I I'm excited because every month it gets deeper. And again, it's not mm. even about the skill. It's about really amazing connections with people, both both from, from friendship to romance uh, to like this master uh, master mentor uh, relationship that I'm having. So every month these new dynamic um, emotions are coming in and out. And then I get ripped away from one group and get thrown into another group while I'm still rebounding from, you know, the people that I'm missing from five days ago. So there, there's a lot of depth to it. And aside from being a beautiful story, I think there's some really good takeaways and lessons that are coming out of it. Oh my God. Absolutely. It's like, it is, I didn't really, I didn't read Eat, Pray, Love. I saw the movie a long time ago, but uh, the male version of that <laughs> on a deep level. And really what you're talking about, the emotionally still having one foot in one group and then already going into another group. And then the roller coaster feelings that you're having, the longing, the missing, the connecting, mm -hmm. that really can only be caught in a book. Mm. You could make a movie about it later once mm -hmm. the body of work is done. But I feel like writing all that out is so important to get to the root of you as the main character, because you are the main character, you are the main narrator. And sometimes that's hard when it's ourselves. I mean, you've been taking care of other people for so long as a tour manager, as if someone that takes people on adventures. Now it's you. How do you feel being the celebrity? Uh, it's definitely odd to change the role when I get on conference calls and talk about myself as if I'm the talent. I actually have a very, very difficult <laughs> time with it. I, I have to, I've literally said to the people helping me, like, guys, I need your help. I'm not good at this part of it. 
If I had to make a decision for X artist, I could do it in a moment. When it's me, I go blank. Um, so I don't like it. It's very uncomfortable. I don't. I, I love being in front of the camera. I'm very natural to that regard. But when I have to make decisions based around a personal brand that is is you know, I guess consumer facing, that's not me because I just want to show up as myself and do whatever I please. You know. So that's been tricky. Well, it's a, it's an important conversation because I I I can relate to you on that. I was always behind the camera, and now I'm in front of the camera, and mm -hmm. I did have that moment where who do I think I am to think I could be a podcaster, have a talk show, whatever. But if you're called there and that's where you go and that's where you head and mm -hmm. that's where your direction and your path are. And if you look back in your childhood, I bet there were moments where you were front and center, big oh, personality. Certainly. certainly. No, no question about it. It's just, I never, I always want to put it out in a very um, authentic and, and, and purposeful way. And again, um, my biggest, I don't know if it's a fear, but I, I don't like creating this emotion of being jealous or being less than. So, and I know because when I see people traveling, I can feel that jealousy. So the last thing I want to do is make people go, oh, well, again, great for him. I can't do that and bring them lower in their emotional, personal tone. I, mm -hmm. I want to make it where I can still do what I want, but help people re-envision their own life and, and do it with a sense of impact and change. I think you're on the perfect path for that. Uh, so everybody can look soon for a video from Kenya. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And follow you on Savas on the go. We will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for uh, catching up with us here today. It's been an honor, Kim. Uh, I can't wait for the, to tell the story and to share it with you and hopefully get some words on paper. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe or review on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, Spotify, and Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.